Marilat Rachel Beal hanging out with you on this Monday morning. We hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. James, I know you've got kids, so I'm sure your weekend was busy as ever, but how was it? It was good. It was busy. A lot of football. My, uh, my middle one played football Friday night. My little guy had uh, flight football yesterday, so it was uh, a ton of football, but it was great. It was a good time. By the way, that little song, if you're in a bad mood at 1030 on any given day, the little countdown song will cheer you up no matter what. I just, I had, I had to work that in, but my weekend was good. I hope yours was as well, Rachel. Oh my gosh. I love that song too. I completely agree. I feel like it just kind of pumps you up, especially like a Monday morning when we all need it. Yeah. Right? We're getting into the week. We're like, all right, here we go. But I love that song. If, if you don't dance a little bit while you're hearing that, uh, you just don't have a soul. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, we know it was a busy weekend. We had Colorado Rapids. The Broncos had a rookie mini camp. I know you were out there on Friday. What did you see from some of these young players? Well, I think the star of the show was Greg Dulcich. I mean, he was the the player who kind of just popped off and, and jumped out, and you, you know, just watching him. And it was mostly drills when I was out there. It wasn't like there was, you know, scrimmaging or anything like that. They were just doing mostly individual drills. But he was the guy that jumped out, that you looked out there and said, hey, that guy's a player. He looks different than uh, the other guys in his position group and the other guys that are, that are on the field. So uh, he looked really, really good. Nick Benito was on the far, far field in the far back corner. And they were doing drills that, you know, it was kind of hard to stand out. It wasn't as though it was one-on-one pass, pass rushing drills or anything like that. Uh, and I guess the other player that probably stood out was Montrell Washington. Just his, his quickness, right? All the receivers were doing the same drills and his ability to just move his feet and accelerate quicker than, than the other guys at his position was impressive. It stood out. So uh, if you made me pick two stars from Friday – at Broncos rookie minicamp, which is, you know, it, it was tough. It would be Greg Dulcich. It would be Montreal, Washington. Those guys seem to st- stand out to, to me. Did Dulcich's hair really just stand out too? I know there's been so much talk about it. You know, he had his helmet on, so it wasn't flowing like people make it out to be. Like, it wasn't even noticeable. The thing I noticed was it's May, and you can tell that guy went to UCLA because he's got his August tan. Like, he's ready for <laughs> summer. And, you know, we finally just had a couple of nice days here. So I noticed his tan more than I noticed his hair. Gotcha. Well, we'll look forward to seeing hopefully some flowing locks here in the upcoming weeks. Um, as the coaching staff was out there, was there anything in particular that you saw how Nathaniel Hackett was handling these young players? Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett's definitely a, a hands-on guy, right? So the, the receivers were right in front of us, and he got out there on a couple of different occasions and would get in front of them and kind of, you know, break down with them and give them a little bit of an obstacle to, to work around on the field. So he didn't go through the drills, but he was at the end of it kind of giving them a little uh, a- added touch to it. So he's different than Vic Fangio, right? Vic Fangio just kind of walks around and, you know, not quite sure what he was paying attention to and, uh, Nathaniel Hackett was right there in the middle of it. The other thing that jumped out, and this involved Nathaniel Hackett, was John Elway was there, and he was there for basically the entire practice out on the field. I'm like, man, for a guy who we thought was, like, retiring and walking away and not going to be involved anymore, he's at day one of rookie minicamp. Like, that's uh, that, that struck me as not odd in a bad way, just odd in a surprising way. Uh, and he spent quite a bit of time talking to Nathaniel Hackett uh, on day one so that was that was interesting but Rachel the just the whole coaching staff in general just has and I'm, I'm not going to use the word energy because that's all I ever hear all the time <laughs> I, they have a volume right like there's just there's some excitement uh it's loud and anybody that was out there I guess it was three years ago for training camp 
when they had joint practices with the with the 49ers. We were there every day for Broncos training camp, and then the Niners roll in, and it was like, oh my gosh, the it was just off the charts in terms of volume and the coaches and the players, and they just took it to the Broncos. Denver now seems to kind of have at least that attitude and that approach. Uh, that was good to see. It wasn't just, you know, you, you didn't feel like you were at a uh, – uh, a Sunday afternoon service or a funeral or something like that. There was a vibe going on. That was uh that was a good thing. That was a good change of pace. Some vibes and going back to the John Elway piece that you just talked about. It's a lot easier to get behind a team that you're hoping is going to be really good with Russell Wilson than it is from what we've experienced in years past. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Right. Everybody likes to be around a winner. And mm-hmm. if the team is good, if the team's going to be exciting, um, you know, everybody kind of wants to be a part of it. And I'm sure John, he's human, right? And he's, he's gone through the last few years and he was at the helm and putting together those teams and couldn't, couldn't solve the quarterback riddle after Peyton Manning left. So uh, if, we, if you go through those tough times and those lean times, when the thing finally turns, and we don't know that it's going to turn, but we all expect it to, when it finally turns, yeah, you want to be there for that too, for, for the payoff. So I don't, uh, I don't blame him. I think we would all do the same thing, but yeah, you're right. It clearly is, uh, hey, if this team was still, you know, dealing with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, I think John would have spent Friday in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Instead, he was out on the field for rookie minicamp. Well, the Colorado Rapids also played this weekend. They've got a 2-0 win over LAFC. We've got some. If he, if he scores this one. Here we go in the 17th. Right in the back of the net. One nothing, Colorado. Let's see what he does again. Both times, McCarthy has guessed correctly. Rubio. And he buried that one high and hard. 28th minute, it is 2 nothing, Colorado. I always mute myself coming out of those videos. It never <laughs> fails. But good to see them. They sit at 4-3-4 four, and four on the season. They're in the last spot for the playoffs right now. Still early on, obviously, but we'd love to see a win for the Rapids. Let's that's a nice win, though, Rachel. Rachel, real what? quick, that's a nice win. I mean, LAFC's got the best record in MLS. They're, they had 23 points, seven wins. Like, that was a surprise. They were a big dog. So uh, that's a really nice win. Funny, though, that was classic soccer highlights. Two penalty kicks. <laughs> no joke, no joke. Uh, I couldn't let that go. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. It was also an exciting weekend, though, because in the NHL, there were five Game 7s. In the NBA, there were two Game 7s. I feel like it's been so long since we've been able to say something even remotely close to those numbers. And who doesn't love the word Game 7 to go, like, go big, go home, or everything else? Oh, so much fun. But there was an interesting one that I don't think anyone was really expecting, and it was the absolute domination by the Mavericks over the Suns. James, was there any chance that you thought that this was going to turn out to be the final score? 123 to 90. Let's just talk real quick about the first half. So as you can see on the box score, it was 57 to 27 when it came down to the half. No, I didn't see it coming. I picked the Suns to win. So I, I obviously didn't see it coming, but I enjoyed every minute of it, right? I go back to last year's playoff series where the Suns swept the Nuggets and Suns and four guy up in the stands and just all that nonsense. So good riddance, Phoenix. Enjoy your off season. Uh, didn't, didn't hurt my feelings at all. I got no love loss for Chris Paul. He can go and make some more State Farm commercials. 
that's fantastic. So I like Luca a lot. I, I, I think he's a, a, a fun player to watch. I like his attitude and his demeanor. And, man, he answered the bell. He showed up and was ready to go, and the stars for the Suns weren't. But, Rachel, it also takes me back, and I was filling in with Stokely and Zach one day, and this was when they were debating whether or not Michael Porter Jr. should come back and Jamal Murray should come back. And I said, you can't miss this window of opportunity because the West isn't very good this year. The West is down. And they all laughed at me, and they said, oh, Phoenix is great. And I said, the, the, one, the one seed is Phoenix, and the two seed is Memphis. Like, that's a winnable conference. Well, here we are. Neither one of them made it to the conference finals. So I'm going to take a mini victory lap on that. Uh, uh, yeah, I picked the Suns to win yesterday. I didn't think they'd lose game seven on their home floor. But I didn't think the West was all that great. And the fact that the three and four seed, Dallas may have actually been the five seed. But n- neither of the top two seeds advanced to the Western Conference Finals. Just shows you that the Nuggets, and again, it was health-related. They couldn't control most of it. Did miss out on a, uh, a bit of an opportunity here because the West is not going to be this way and this down probably ever again. And they had a, a, a chance to, to strike this year, and it's a shame they couldn't. Okay, so now my question is obviously on this graphic. Which loss was worst for Chris Paul? He was obviously a part of the Hornets team back in 2009 when the Nuggets had an absolute heyday. Or was it this one being game seven and they're down by so many? And like It was just such a big upset. Which loss was worse? Yeah, I think it was this one. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the box score for that Nuggets game, the Nuggets rolled every single quarter, including winning the fourth quarter by 20 to make it even more of a route. Yesterday's game was not as close as that final score would indicate. I mean, it was 40-plus for most of the, the, the third quarter. And then, you know, when it, it turned into garbage time late with a bunch of guys on the floor for both teams that aren't going to see the court or hadn't seen the court the, the entire series. So it wasn't as close as that score may indicate. It was game seven, a chance of the West to, to go to the Western Conference Finals on the line. You're the best record in the NBA. You're supposed to, to make it to the finals. Heck, you're supposed to win the championship and you can't get out of the second round, that Hornets team, nobody had big expectations for them. So maybe in terms of the number, that was a worse loss. But in terms of the the importance, yesterday certainly was. And look, that may be it for Chris Paul. Uh, what's he, 37 years old? How many more opportunities, opportunities like that is he going to get? Um, he's been a, a great player, but he's never been a champion. And games like yesterday show you why. He just he didn't answer the bell. And then he's the guy that limps out with a bad hamstring after the game. It's like, well, nobody knew you had that, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a convenient uh, injury to limp out of the arena. There's a, there's a thing called championship medal. Luka Doncic showed that he's got it. And once again, we saw that Chris Paul, he just doesn't. And that may seem harsh and unfair. That's just the reality. We got his entire career to, to talk about it or to, to evaluate it. And he just doesn't answer the bell in these kind of situations. Well, we hope one team in Colorado has that championship mentality, and that is going to be the Colorado Avalanche. We finally found out when round two is supposed to start. Tomorrow night, they will take on the St. Louis Blues. We waited all the way until like 11 o'clock last night to find out. They've been off since last Monday, a whole week now. Is it too long of a break for this Avalanche team? No, I don't think so. I, you know, people want to compare it to the Rocktober 2007 Rockies, and they had to take that nine-day break between the NLCS and the start of the World Series, and they went from, you know, winning every single game to getting swept by the Red Sox. Baseball is more of a timing sport, and if you lose it, it's hard to get it back. Hockey isn't that. It's more of a, you know, it's a, it's a physical sport. And I think the first time you go down to the corner and get checked into the boards, it's like, okay, there's the rust. 
it's more like football on that front. And we've seen some football teams that maybe have things clinched and they rest guys at the end of the regular season and they struggle in their first playoff game. But the difference is in football, if you come out of the gate slow, you got one game, right? That, that This is a seven-game series. Even if there is a little rust, I, I don't think it will impact the abs very long. They had, a, I think, seven- or eight-day break heading into round two last year and one game won seven to one. So that didn't impact them. So uh, no excuses. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that, oh, they, you know, they, they were rolling and then they ha- had to take this break. I don't think it will impact them at all. It certainly shouldn't. So um, I think they'll come out of the gates flying tomorrow. And it was obviously a good thing because Darcy Kemper was able to get some rest. This has been one player yep. everyone's been saying, this Avs team cannot win the Cup without him. He spoke to the media yesterday. Let's take a listen. All right, how would you ride? Good. Darcy, can you take us? Can you just take us through that entire process, start to finish, and um, and all that? Uh, I mean, just scary situation. Um, didn't really see anything happening, and I didn't know I didn't know what happened until I watched it after. It just happened so quickly, and um, yeah, obviously pretty scary when your eyes are involved. But uh, you know, I got pretty lucky that uh, it wasn't worse. How strange was that to have that happen to you for a second time in your career? Uh, yeah, super strange, obviously. Uh, first time, uh, definitely thought it was one in a million, but twice is uh, two in a million. When, when did you feel like you were going to be okay? Uh, well, I mean, it was just, uh, I saw the doctor right away, and he said uh, it was more eyelid than eye, so that was reassuring. You had it happen to you before. I mean, is it just the luck of the draw, or what? Yeah, I think just uh, bad luck. So you, it looked like you, you got up, started skating, and it seemed like, it, you know, what, what kind of happened in that moment? Did it feel like you were okay to skate off? And then just... uh, I was skating off, but, uh, like, kind of uh, blind in my direction. The ref the ref was yelling at me to stay down. That's why I went back down. Yeah. Do, you, do you switch helmets at all, or do you worry about the gap or anything? Or is that, you know what I mean, was it a thinner stick? Or... Yeah, I think just uh, the stick was the right shape, uh, unfortunately. Is it nice to have this this period of time off between games just to let the swelling go down, like regain your timing and all that? Yeah, for I mean, for me individually, it's been great to have that extra time to, to heal up and uh, get back in rhythm. So good, first of all, for him to answer all of those questions, right? They kind of just threw everything at him, asking pretty much anything and everything related to the incident. I did find it interesting that the ref, told him to get back down on the ground afterwards. Like, yeah. we all thought he just fell, right? Yeah, it was it was a scary moment. I mean, yeah. you know, just to, and it was his reaction to it that kind of was the, the part that freaked everybody out, right? If he had just stayed in the crease and kind of fallen down, we would all be like, hey, what's going on? But sort of the almost a little bit of a panic, the way he started to try and skate off and then went down and the whole thing was frantic. So scary situation. It's great that he's fine, that he'll be back. You know, you you do wonder of, hey, how long is it going to take till for him to just kind of be out there and, and not be thinking about it and just be playing? Because human nature is you would, it would go through your mind and, and uh, you know, it would be hard to block it out, especially when it's happened a couple of times. And first time you start getting a bunch of traffic in front of you and sticks are coming up and all that kind of thing. So, um, man, that, that, takes some, that takes some courage, to be honest with you, to get back out there and do it again. So uh, good news for the abs, good news for Darcy Kemper. Hopefully, I mean, he's physically fine. Now, I, I really do think there's a mental hurdle that he'll have to jump over as he gets back on the ice tomorrow night. And I think, too, getting out there, just feeling it. You know, we've talked a lot about Jamal Murray and how he just needs to get back out on the court, hopefully, to help that mental hurdle. 
hopefully getting back out on the ice and obviously he's talking to the media. So that's going to happen, but yeah, we're excited for it. But another exciting thing is actually happening here at 104 through the fan and denverfan.com is we have a new member of our team who we're going to bring in right now. Andrew Mason is joining us. We're so excited to have you Mace. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just make sure. Can you hear me all right? Even though I'm using my phone and everything. So yeah. It's it's been great. It's been crazy. I mean, great kind of crazy. I've uh, popped on two shows already. I'm going to pop on here with uh, Stoke and Zach here uh, a little while longer. So I'm kind of going through the uh, the 104.3, the fan car wash, uh, as as it were. But it's exciting. I'm really pumped to work with you guys. Well, yeah, Mace. So have you. Go ahead, uh, James. Mace, you've been covering this team for a long, long time. Uh, you've certainly seen plenty of the highs and, you know, been a part of some of the lows here the last few years. How exciting is it to, uh, I, I heard you on this morning talking about, hey, you've been uh, having to watch some mediocre quarterback play. How exciting is it heading into this training camp and this preseason and this regular season? I'm like, okay, we're not having to try to, to hope for mediocrity. We actually have a, a, a quarterback solution in place. It's, it's wonderful. And uh, at times the last few years, you felt like you had to avert your eyes. And there were other times where I thought, okay, this is the penance. We got to watch Peyton Manning at his best, even though by 2015, he was just trying to do enough to get to get to the finish line and be successful. But we saw all time performances from Peyton Manning. And I felt like maybe we spent the last few years paying the penance for that. Uh, uh, I, I think I have a greater appreciation for terrific quarterbacking now after having watched what we've all seen over the last uh, uh, the last six seasons when, frankly, uh, most of the quarterbacks aspired to be average. Now, we're not going to be sitting there chronicling every throw in camp in a quarterback competition. It's going to be about, okay, how is this making the Broncos better toward what they hope is a Super Bowl run? It's, 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 it's thrilling to watch, and uh, it's going to be very exciting for the fans. Mace is going to be traveling with the team. He's going to be literally covering everything that you need to know about this Denver Broncos organization this year. So Mace, we're super pumped to have you on. We're excited to have you on all of our digital shows too. But for you, what's been your favorite Bronco sports moment? You know, that's, that's tough. I mean, if it's on field, I think of Champ Bailey with the interception of Tom Brady back in the 05 divisional playoff. And how he just fall falls just short of uh, the goal line gets it gets hit by um by by Ben Watson, but the thing I always recall is how like the crowd went crazy and it just kind of you could feel the enthusiasm and the roar building like a wave as he got closer and closer to the goal line and what that play meant against a team that hadn't lost a playoff game uh in since uh, I believe uh, at that moment, the Patriots had won every playoff game since like uh, January of 99 or, or something like that. And so that was kind of, that, that was a huge moment there in prime time. And then like for all of the great things that Peyton Manning did when he was in Denver. Um, also the, the, the moment I come back to is when he, they brought him in against the chargers week 17 of the 2015 season, you look on the sideline and you realize Coops is making the move. Peyton's coming in. And it was that, you know, it was it was kind of out of a movie. It was almost like uh, if you saw the Karate Kid, the original back in 1984, 
could almost hear someone saying, Daniel Russo's going to fight. Daniel Russo's going to fight. And Peyton Smith <laughs> out there. And you could kind of like every, the place went crazy. But then you see him kind of get in the huddle around the players. Everyone's spines kind of stiffened and they kind of leaned closer and listened. And it was, it's magic moments like that. And then I'd be remiss not to mention uh, the late Demarius Thomas uh, going 80 yards with a Tim Tebow pass in the divisional round. Although I tend to remember that personally more for, I was, I was writing a, a freelance story for the New York times that day. And I had the angle of writing about the losing team. And so I had my story about the Broncos blowing a lead all ready to go at the final gun. And then I'm sitting there and I have to write 800 words in 10 minutes on, on the Broncos somehow or on the Steelers losing, losing that game. And so as much as great as that moment was, I remember kind of the sheer panic. I'm like, I got to come up with something. That. <laughs> and I did. So everyone was happy. Yeah, those are, those are great, Mace. And I, you know, I distinctly remember all of those. And as you tell the stories, you know, the, the game against the Chargers when Manning comes back in, mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the stands with my, my son, and we were actually just down a few rows from the press box. So you and I probably had about the same angle of it. You could see him take some snaps, right? He goes over and he starts taking some practice snaps on the sideline, and we're like, hey, is he coming back in? And there was just sort of this murmur, and it got more and more and more. And then all of a sudden when he did trot back on the field, that was a, uh, that was a cool moment. So I know you're going to do a ton of content for us, but I got to make sure one piece is, is coming along with you as you join us. When you go on the road, and I guess you do it at home too when you're walking around the stadium, the random jerseys that you find in the stands and in the concourse, it is one of my favorite parts of Sunday is following you on social media and what you're going to find, the random Broncos jersey. So please tell me that's part of what, uh, what we're going to continue to see. Yeah, the obscure jersey hunt is not going away. <laughs> The fact that the Broncos are relevant again means you're going to see more Broncos fans at road games. And so it's probably going to be even better. And what I'm really looking forward to, guys, is when the Broncos play in London, seeing just what level of obscure jersey. So if you're watching this and listening in from from anywhere in Europe and you're going to that game, you know, in my opinion, that is the moment where you bring out that Ashley Lee jersey that you bought 20 years ago when he was a first-round pick in the hopes that he'd become the next great Bronco receiver. And he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. But that's that's where you, you bring that out, and uh, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll spot you and have, a, and have a big smile on my face. Well, Mace, what other type of content from people who may not follow you, what can they expect to see that you bring to DenverFan.com? Well, I mean, obviously, like you guys mentioned, I'm going to be, be, be kind of covering – things day to day so whatever's going on you know press conferences like what what's being said what what the buzz is as one thing i'm excited about this year is of course being back in the locker room and so also it's not just about kind of the big names but also kind of getting to know to know the small names i'm going to you know planning on catching up with some of the the guys uh that maybe down the roster a little bit that maybe you're going to get to know in training camp if you're sitting there on the hillside and you see somebody make a great play well i'll have written something hopefully about at some point about that guy. So you'll know a little bit uh, about him uh, going in. The thing is uh, Broncos country is pretty insatiable, wants to know about guys up and down the roster. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, uh, to, to bring that as well. And then I'm, you know, I'm, I, I, I like to watch film, but I'm also a statistical deep diver. So we're going to do some, you know, by the number stuff as well. Some stuff that kind of illuminates uh, what everyone's uh, watching on Sundays and hopefully puts it into uh, to better context. So I'm excited about that. 
So, May, she'll be uh, obviously at every home game traveling with the team. Schedule came out last Thursday. We now know you'll be spending Christmas in L.A., uh, yeah. Halloween weekend in <laughs> London, Thanksgiving weekend in Charlotte. Uh, so when you looked at the schedule, other than, uh-oh, you're going to be all over the place when it's holiday time, what else kind of jumped out at you as, hey, that's going to be a fun trip, that's going to be a tough stretch for the team? Any kind of initial thoughts as you, uh, you got basically the roadmap to your fall? Okay, well, this is purely selfish. I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan. The Braves are playing the Mariners the weekend that the Broncos play the Seahawks. So, like, and that's actually the, the first thing I look at is actually to see are there baseball games that I can go to early in the season around a Broncos trip. That's how much of a nerd I am for that. And then, but then when I realized that, and, and actually I didn't need to check the schedule to know that's when the Braves were playing the Maryland. Like, oh my gosh. So that's going to be a fun weekend. Kind of doubling uh, that is, um, is my wife actually has that week off. So we're trying to kind of get things in place to where we can have a, a good weekend, go to a couple of games, go to some restaurants and all that. So Seattle week one might be pretty daunting and maybe not what the Broncos wanted, but personally for me, I'm, I, I'm thrilled. And you mentioned Carolina and Thanksgiving. I mean, I've got a lot of family members uh, back there in North Carolina. So selfishly, I think uh, uh, the, the mind started racing and we'll probably have uh, some, some family stuff planned personally. It's funny, like everyone kind of looks at the schedule. And I, I, I admit, I'm selfish on this. I look for like what kind of is fun for my own life, right? And, <laughs> and breaking the routine a little bit. And then, um, then kind of just looking around the schedule as uh, as well you don't like kansas city uh there late season even though it's january not december the history of the broncos in december in kansas city is terrible uh they're actually they did win in january back in the uh back in the 1997 playoff run in january 98 so maybe there'll be a little bit of that of that magic they're playing uh playing in january and uh i did not like seeing baltimore there at the end to, to kick off that really demanding six game stretch there after the Carolina game Broncos probably need to be seven and four, even eight and three, I think to really feel good about where they stand going into a stretch of six games at the end of the season where you could go three and three and do really well to be 500 against Baltimore, KC, Arizona Rams, uh, KC again, and the, then the chargers. But that not, might not be the worst thing because there are a lot of champions over the years, including all three Broncos champions that have had two-game losing streaks there toward the end of the season. Well, Mace, first of all, anybody that works in sports, we all know that it's so time-consuming. So I don't like hate at you at all for being like, you know what, I'm going to find different things that I enjoy doing too, especially when you travel so too, because it is a grind mm-hmm. to do. But we're so lucky to have you. My ask for you, though, is what is your score for, or not your score prediction, your prediction for this season's record for the Broncos? 11 and 6. I actually put it out on Twitter uh, last week. 11 and 6. And whether that wins the division or not, it may depend on something like it, like how long Deshaun Watson is suspended. And of course, he's, ha- he's going to meet with league officials uh, this week. That was reported uh, various sources this morning. And um, the reason I bring that up is the Chargers play at Cleveland in week five. And you've got a division where everybody is so closely contested. I think it's you, James, that said you kind of pencil everybody in to go three and three. 
in divisional play. It's going to be those non-divisional games that are the difference. And in particular, like for the Broncos, they have to play Baltimore, but they also get Carolina and they get the New York Jets in those games that are determined by where they finished in the standings. Well, one of the games that the Chargers get by their, by where they finished third place last year is the Browns. Is Deshaun Watson suspended for six games like Ben Roethlisberger was back in 2010? If it is, well, then that helps the Chargers. That might be the difference in them eking out a 12-5 and five record instead of 11-6. and six. But if Deshaun Watson suspended two games or not at all, and they've got to face Deshaun in Cleveland and the Browns in Cleveland, then that might be a loss that brings them, them back a little bit. It's things like that that may end up deciding who finishes in first place in the AFC West. Less to do with the Broncos, more to do with the teams around them. So, yeah, we'll definitely stay tuned to all of your social media, Mace. We're so excited to have you on board. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning. My pleasure. Good seeing you guys. And thank you to everybody, too, for joining in on Coffee Break this morning. We're super excited to have Mace. Lots of new content coming, so make sure you subscribe to all of our social media channels. And we'll be back tomorrow morning again at 1030 a.m. for another episode of Coffee Break. We'll see everybody later.